Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. Strong winds and small rudders. That's the title of the message today. Strong winds, small rudders from the book of James. James chapter 2, verse 14 says this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Let's pray over God's word today. Lord, we thank you for your word. Father, we're grateful for it every single week, every single day, every single moment that we read your word. Lord, we thank you that it's dynamic. Father, that it's not an old book. Father, that it's dynamic, it's living, it's breathing, it's coming into our lives right now as we submit to it. So, Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray that you would bless your people, Lord, with nourishment from your word. And we pray for colonial kids as well, that that would be the same for them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we're finishing our series, Epistle, today. And I hope that this has been a good series for you. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, We've gone many different places in this series looking at the New Testament letters in our Bible. We started with Galatians, then Corinthians, to the Thessalonians, moved around a little bit of the map and some of Paul's journeys. And then we looked at Peter's letters, then John's, and today, James. And I hope you've got something out of it in this series and the, 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 the purpose behind it was to to study a little more, look at some things differently, and to all help us grow, which is the point of the Word of God in our lives. It helps us grow. It helps us become who we're supposed to be. So I pray this, this series has stirred up your faith to dig a little deeper, um, knowing something about some of the authors, the cities, the people that were there, and why the letter was written. And then ultimately, we would understand that these are letters that were written to the church, then, but are still written to the church today. And they're still meant to bless and shape and encourage and challenge, maybe convict in a good way, our own lives so that we would grow as well. Which brings me to James. Who likes a straight talker? Who likes it when they just give it to you straight? Well, you're going to like James. The book of James reminds me a lot of the book of Proverbs. In fact, a lot of scholars call it the Proverbs of the New Testament letters because it is an example of straight talking. But it's, full, it's packed full of wisdom, insight, challenge, from perseverance to true faith, to controlling one's tongue, to submitting to God's will, to having patience. This epistle, I believe, aids all of us to live authentically and wisely for Christ. This book is often put at odds with Paul's writing about justification of faith. And we'll get to that, but this is definitely an amazing letter written to the church early 
in its formation and an amazing epistle for you and I to study as believers. Okay, let's dig in, all right? We're still in a teaching series, so to speak, so if you want to take some notes about this, please go ahead. But some of the key verses, and I want to give you some of the key themes of this book, the book of James. It's got five chapters. It's relatively short, okay? But here are some of the key themes. Faith under pressure is a key theme in the book of James. Faith, Christianity, your belief in God, your walking with God, and then pressure that comes in your life, what are you supposed to do? There's encouragement for us here. James talks about the power of steadfastness in God, and he'll talk about and he'll address the trials and the tests of life. James chapter 1 and verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So that's one theme. Another theme is faith in action, treating people equally. Um, James chapter 2 and verse 1, I love that James, he just doesn't, he doesn't hold back to the early church. He says this, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. In other words, don't treat people differently because of what they have or don't have or look or don't look. He will head on address the fact that the church at the time was showing partiality towards the people that were coming in and the world at that time. So that's one. Another theme is the power of the tongue. And I love this verse, James 3 and verse 4. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And then another theme, just to round it out, is warnings to the rich. James will talk a lot about the world. He'll talk a lot about um, how to be a friend of the world means you're an enemy with God. He'll talk about, hey, there's, you rich people out there, you people that have, that have got money, you people that, 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 that are successful in life, be careful of the riches and what riches can do, which obviously lines up with everything that we see Jesus talk about as well. Okay, when was this book written? When was this letter written to the church? It's actually, we're starting with one of the first, we're ending with one of the first letters because James is a early letter. It's probably written in the range of AD 40 to 50. And, you know, some people believe that this is literally just a few years into the church's existence that James will write to the church. It was obviously written to Christians, most likely Christians that had been run out of, Jewish Christians that had been run out of Jerusalem, that were on the periphery, that were outside, that had been persecuted, challenged, tried. Um, we must not forget that the, the early church in its most purest original form was Jewish believers. So Jews who had become Christians, who had embraced Jesus as Messiah, that was the very beginning of the church. The church, when James writes, wasn't Greek yet, wasn't cultural yet, it wasn't Corinth yet, there wasn't, it wasn't Ephesus yet, it was Jerusalem and Jewish Christians. So James is writing to them and speaking to them and speaking to the church and still speaking to the church today. So just a few things about James. His actual name is Jacob, but we translate in the English to James. So we could say this is the book of Jacob, but obviously it's James in our Bibles. Maybe you didn't know that, but his name was Jacob. Um, there's debate about his, 
his close, how, how you know, close of a relative he was to Jesus, but let's just go ahead and say that he was at least a relative, a cousin. Some people believe he was the half-brother of Jesus, which is important because at the beginning of the letter, he doesn't say anything about that. And at a time when family ties and having a name meant everything, James leaves that out. And that's powerful. We see that as well in Peter's ministry doesn't take his close relationship with Jesus and make that the main thing. He keeps the main thing, the main thing, which is following Jesus, which I think is pretty cool. We see his humility, his character, his reverence for God. He was a powerful figure because of his relationship with Jesus. But I want you to think about James, and I want you to think about this. Think about his close proximity to the humanity of Jesus. Day to day, in the family, seeing things. He would have seen it all. He would have seen everything. He would have been amazed by it all. And here we see in James, some of the final words of his life, shortly after James writes this letter, he gets martyred. And whenever we read in Scripture, you see some of the final words of people, like when we read the final words of Paul when he's writing to Timothy, and he says things like, hey, hey I've finished the race I've done, we see these maturing words of Paul. It's the same when we read uh, in John, Jesus' last words. We should pay attention to some of the last words. We should pay attention to these words from James because just after he writes this, he's killed for the faith. So we can get comfort. We can get uh, direction from these words. We can get so much out of James. So it's a good book to study. So what are some of the takeaways? Let's dig right in. I've got three for us this morning. What does James say to the believers then? And so what is God saying to us now? Three simple handles this morning. Number one is this, stick it out. James says, stick it out to the church. And this is the trials that believers face. And if you're in a trial right now, this is going to help you. And we're going to pray for you at the end. I want to pray for people that are going through a tough time at the end of this message. But James says something amazing in this book. He says, testing and perseverance is a really big deal for the believer. What does testing and facing trials mean for us? And what do we do when they come into our lives? James says that trials provide for a work to be done in our lives that's miraculous. And it means almost like a type of completion of our faith. He jumps right in, James 1 and verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know, listen to it, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, somebody say perfect, and complete lacking in nothing. I want you to write this word down. We're going to study some Greek today. I bet when you came into church, you were like, I didn't... I don't, you didn't think you were going to learn Greek today, but you're going to learn some Greek today. Write this word down, teleos. T-E-L-E-I-O-S. This is the word that James uses for perfect. And what it means is it means maturity, completion. Having fully developed faith. Would someone in here like fully developed faith today? It describes something complete, mature believers and the perfection of God. This is the same word that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48 when he says this. 
He says, if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you must be perfect. Telios, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Telios. We are being made perfect. So we have to allow this trial to take place in our lives to become perfect. But how do we become perfect? How do we become perfect? James tells us in verse 12. But let me ask you something before we get there. When things are hard in your life or tough things happen to you, do you run? See, this is human nature. I'm going to get real for a moment. When pressure comes in our lives, what we normally do is think of a way out. When things, tough things come into our lives, we feel pressed, we feel challenged, we feel like, man, this is hard. What do we do? We run. Show me exit stage left because I'm out of here. I'm heading for the beach. I'm moving cities. I'm changing jobs. I'm changing relationships. This is what we do in our human nature. But James says, no, this is actually God working through your life. Come on, somebody. This is actually God doing that teleos work in you. But how does it happen? Look at verse 12, James chapter 1. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. And that word, we're going to learn another Greek word today, is hypermena. Write that word down, hypermeno. So let's get Greek for a moment. If you want some teleos, you're going to need some hypermeno. Did you get that? To get teleos, it's going to take some hypermeno. What's hypermeno? Staying. Staying at your post. Remaining, being steadfast. The word hypermeno means to endure, to stand firm, to continue on. One, tr- one part of it means to stay behind, to hang out, to hang around, to not leave. Don't bail on the trial because God wants to make you perfect. And as we go onward, God's going to do something and there's going to be this perfect completion and this is the will of God for your life. And James tells the early church, he says, stay at your post, guys. Endure to the end. Don't bail out because God is making you perfect. It's his will for your life that he would see, you would see his perfection in your life. So number one, he says, stick it out. Number two, he says this, talk it out. And here he covers the speech in a believer's life. He says this, what you say, how you say, and the way you use your tongue, it matters. Be careful of the power of the tongue. And I love the picture that he uses. James employs teaching, like almost like rabbinical teaching at the time. He uses this picture of strong winds, large ships, but small rudders. And he says, that's like the tongue. He says, look at the ships also. Though they are large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire 
a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the, the entire course of our life. James says this, the tongue can steer your life. It can turn the whole ship around, but it can also run it aground. Reminds me of something that Jesus says, Luke 6, verse 45. He says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And this is where James and Proverbs collide for me. Proverbs 17 and verse 28. says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. It's the power of our speech as believers. Our speech matters. The older I've got, the more I've realized and come to terms with the fact that the way that I say something is just as important as what it is I'm saying. And we need to remember that today. And James gives us incredible instruction and help today that when we're talking to people, we're, we're speaking to people. We have the opportunity to build them up or tear them down. We have the opportunity to nourish them or take away from them. We've we got to remember that when we're talking out this life, he says, remember that the tongue has the potential to ruin things, to shipwreck your life. So he says, talk it out. So stick it out, talk it out. And then finally, and I believe this is the burden of James, the book of James is this. He says, work it out. Stick it out, talk it out, work it out. Why is it when the Apostle Paul says we're justified by faith alone, we also have in James that he says faith without works is dead. And maybe you've never seen that comparison or that contrast before. And maybe that's confusing to you. Maybe you're like, well, well what about that? How does that work? I mean, Paul's saying that I just got to have faith, which is true. But then I got James saying that without faith, without works, my faith is dead. That it doesn't help me. That's no good. But here's the point. They actually complement each other. They're actually supposed to complement each other. I love it if you could write this thought down. What I believe in my heart makes its way to my hands. See, this is the point of James and the, the writings of Paul and what we, we understand about our faith is that my faith, it justifies me, but my work shows that I'm justified. And I have faith and it shows that, man, the things that I do in life, the way that I go about what I do, the, the way that I, I step out and I want to help people, the way that, 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 that you feel led to buy someone groceries or you feel led to, to step out in faith and go on that missions trip or you want to help that single mom or single dad, it's your faith being outworked in you that has the power to do so much. And what I believe in my heart eventually makes its way to my hands, my outer life. And here's a really simple way to say it. And I don't mean to be mean, but I believe you'll get what I'm saying. If you say you're a Christian, act like it. That's what James says. If you say you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, it should show up in your life. And it should transfer into what you do. And there's grace. I remember when I first got saved, I was a miserable Christian. I didn't help anyone. But God was developing maturity in me. 
He was helping me. He was giving me. There was so much grace in my life. Man, I had so much grace because God was teaching me and I was still a babe when it came to being a Christian. I was still an infant. But there comes a time where it's just like, man, my faith is just bursting on the outside of me. I got to help someone. Because what I believe on the inside eventually finds its way to the outside. James is saying to the earliest believers, Jewish Christians, people who say they're followers of the way, he's saying, if Jesus is Lord, your belief should make you want to work for him. Your belief in him, the fact that you're saved means that it should just absolutely permeate every part of you, including your hands. And if I believe in Jesus, then I'll act like he's my Lord. And if what I believe in my heart's going to find its way to my life, and this is the story of all the heroes of faith in the Bible. And this is where James connects us into this great story of faith. What did Noah do when he believed? started building an ark. What did Abraham do when he felt the call of God and he had faith in God? He got up and left. And he went to a country he didn't know. He stepped into the unknown. and he took, a, 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 he took his faith, which he believed in his heart, and he stepped out. And he did this great work of faith. What did David do when he had faith in God? that God wanted the people of Israel to overcome the Philistines and there was Goliath standing in the middle of the field. What did David do? He stepped out. He took his faith and he ran across that field and he killed that giant. His faith made its way into his life and God did the miraculous. See, what I believe in my heart, it's got to make its way to my hands and James delivers this message so beautifully. Rahab believed God. It was a confession of faith. And did a great work of faith, the two working in tandem together. This is the story of our faith. Friends, when you give, it's the outworking of your faith. When you share the gospel with people in your world, you're stepping out in faith. Team, you can join me. When you help someone who you know needs help, it's the outworking of your faith. I just want to encourage you. It's not a moment of compassion that you just had in your morality. It's God working on the inside of you. It's God reminding you that like, the grace that is in your life is now going to be in their life. When you go on that missions trips, when you buy groceries for another person, when you step out in faith and bless someone in your world, this is salvation outworked in your life. So let me ask you, are you in a trial right now? Are you feeling some pressure? Are you feeling led to, 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 to allow this faith to go out of you? Well, I want to pray for you. Would you stand with me? Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to pray for anyone in here that's facing a tough time, facing a difficulty. Hey, life is real. Does anyone believe that? Could be a financial difficulty. Could be a relational thing. Maybe you're in here today and it's just like your marriage is on the rocks and you desperately need God to move and there's a trial that you're going through. Maybe you're in here today and it's just like, man, I'm experiencing some health challenges and I don't see a way out and it's a really difficult time. It feels like a trial. I want to pray for you. It also says in James, right at the end of the book of James, that when we pray for believers, when we pray for each other, that there's healing. 
that there's deliverance, that there's breakthrough, that good things come about when we pray. And maybe you're in here today and as well, it's like time for you to step out. And you've been believing this faith thing and you've been a Christian for a long time, but it really hasn't found its way out to your hands yet. I want to pray for you as well. Because in your future, as I believe, people who are going to get saved because of your works. Not because of the works you've done, but because of the faith you have on the inside. So with every head bowed, eyes closed, if you're in a trial right now, would you lift up your hand? That's what I thought. I really had that burden as I was praying early this morning about today. There's going to be people facing a tough time. And I want to pray as well for people that need to step out. You're feeling that prompting. Maybe it's to share your faith. Maybe it's to, to invite someone to church. Maybe it's to, you know, it's time to start buying those gift cards for people and buying groceries for someone or maybe going on a missions trip which you've never done or supporting a ministry which you've never done. You, you raise your hand as well because I want to pray for confidence. I want to pray for boldness. I want to pray for faith to rise. Holy Spirit, you see all the hands that are raised. Holy Spirit, we know that you're working in this place. You're taking this letter. You're taking it. You're, you're bringing it home for us today. And so I just pray right now, Father, that you would bless people in the trial that are feeling tested, God. God, we pray for that steadfastness and remaining spirit, that hypermeno spirit to be in people today, that they're going to stay at their post, that they're not going to leave. They're not going to run. They're not going to try to get out of it, God, but they're going to trust you in the process, Lord. And the testing of their faith is going to produce the perseverance, Lord, that's going to make them perfect, God. So we just ask right now, Lord, that you would give people that reassurance today. Father, would you give people peace that need it today? Where there's anxiety, Lord, would you replace it with your peace? And Father, I pray that for people that are going to step out in their faith today, and from this moment forward, Lord, as they step out and share your love and your grace and talk about the good news, God, I thank you that you're going to give people confidence and boldness today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.